Welcome to Welcome to the Hallwall Manor. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And we're here to discuss Season 4, Episode 5 of Charmed. Size Matters. Okay, so I want to get this out of the way first before we get into the nitty gritty of it. Sure, sure. But this is a really good episode of Charmed. It is. It's really well done. The horror is horrific. Yeah, and you don't normally think of Charmed as a horror show, although it arguably is supposed to be a horror show i mean they're witches they're fighting demons these are horror things but but normally normally charms really on the more campy side of things and you know charmed isn't horror charmed is like urban fantasy like fantasy that takes place in the modern day Hmm. yeah although and although all the other examples of urban fantasy that i can think of are way more horrific than charmed like true blood or uh, Dresden Files, all, all, all more with the horror than Charmed. Yeah, you don't think of Charmed as a horror show, but this this premise is really, really creepy, and it it it, it totally works. It's not characteristic of Charmed. If if you were showing... wow, wow, this show really works, unlike other episodes <laughs> of Charmed. Damn, Max. not to be mean. It well, it, it's different than other episodes yes, of Charmed. Yes, that's true. Like if you were. I know I've brought this up before, but when I'm introducing someone uh, to Buffy, I show them Gingerbread. Not because it's the best episode of Buffy, but because it stands alone well, and it sort of gives you the feel of what Buffy is. I feel like if you don't like Gingerbread, you're probably not going to like Buffy, even though there are a lot of episodes that are better than Gingerbread. Huh. I don't... I mean, you and I have talked about this. I don't know if Gingerbread is... It's one of the weaker Buffy episodes. Really, you think? Not weak, like beer bad is weak. Just weak, like it's not one of the top tier ones. And when we're talking about Buffy, you've got, like, so many top tier ones that are indicative of the show. It's it's a mid it's a mid range episode. Okay, we can get well. Yeah, that's that's why I feel like it's a good starter thing. It's to gauge someone's interest in the show as a whole. I feel like it's tonally an incredibly Buffy show. Okay, well, so now I have to ask. Mm-hmm. People have to assume when you're showing them an episode of a show that you want to get them into that you're picking out one of the best ones. So you're showing them an episode that you say is a mid-level episode, but they're, like, grading it on a curve, and they're assuming this is one of the best episodes of Buffy. So they'll be pleasantly surprised if they're into it enough to keep watching the show. I would do the first Ethan Rain episode. The Halloween one? Yeah, where they all turn into their costumes? Yeah, see, the thing about that is, like... It's a really good episode, don't get me wrong. It's, like, one of the best episodes of season two. But, like, it doesn't set you for the tone of the show. Really? That feels... No. Oh, because you, cause, because Buffy is, like, the... Buffy's the damsel in distress. Xander's soldier guy. Like, it's not a typical episode of Buffy. You don't get a real feel for the characters because... They're, they're... all someone else. Yeah. Except for Cordelia. Uh, except for Willow. See, it's a good episode. It is a good episode. That's not what I'm arguing. I'm just saying, like, if you're going to show some... That's why, like, I, I, I legitimately think Hush might be the best episode of Buffy, if not definitely top three. But... We have definitely, definitely had this discussion. Yes. On air, too, I think. Yes. But, like, and out of the top three episodes of Buffy, I think Hush is the best to show someone for the first time. Uh, now, are we saying, are we just assuming it's a given that the top three best episodes are Hush, Once More With Feeling, and The Body? Yes. Yes, you are correct that Hush is the best one of those three to show. Yeah, but it's also atypical of Buffy because Buffy's a very dialogue-heavy episode, and the subversive thing about the episode is that no one can talk. Right. Charmed. I'm sorry. 
I haven't we we haven't even touched on the thing that I feel like we kind of need to touch on before actually getting into the episode. What is that? Okay. Okay, okay. This will seem like another tangent, but I promise it, I'm tying it in. There is an episode of Late Futurama in which Leela and Amy start taking like butterfly woman steroids so that they can do this thing called butterfly wrestling where they turn into these like super buff butterfly women and then wrestle in midair with other super buff butterfly women Mm -hmm. and also something happens with fry so he starts secreting a pheromone that makes them both have sex with him over and over and over again yep and that episode is the one i point to when i'm like that is somebody successfully getting their fetish past a writing room okay that is an episode you point to for that when and that comes up a lot, especially in Charmed, which you and I talk about on a regular basis for, for you know, semi, semi, yeah, yeah. semi-regularly. I feel like you talk about that episode of Futurama more than anyone else, including the person who wrote it. But you are, you are correct. You're not wrong. That's clearly, it's clearly someone's fetish. It's just so funny how much that, like, it's like a, it's like a sand and an oyster with you. You're just turning that episode into a pearl. It's just, it's so clear. And it's not like there are, there are, I mean, look at Charmed, for example. There are shows which, by the way, I know, I knew practically going into this season that when Paige shows up is really when the more fetishy bits of Charmed start. Uh I didn't realize how headfirst we rush into this. Because this is a horrifying episode. But it's also something I could see a lot of people having DeviantArt accounts about. Wait, what? You think that people have, like, weird fetishes about shrinking women down to miniature size and then, like, coating them in clay? Doubtful. Sounds doubtful. And we're not judging. We're, we, are, we are a positive podcast. We're not judging anyone whose thing it is to shrink women down and cover them in clay. As long as it's all done consensually. Yes. <laughs> But the thing is, it works as a horror concept in this episode. Like, this is a gimmick you could see a demon having, but also I'm pretty sure that someone was into something and they were like, hey, I'm writing for a witch show. I can just plausible deniability my way into having my fetish filmed for me. Okay, now this this episode was written by Nell Scoville, creator of Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Are you calling her out as having this fetish? Not necessarily. Like, I'm sure every episode of Charmed was written by multiple people. Right, of course. They all go through the writer's room. That's true. But uh, not necessarily. And and also sometimes stories for the season are broken ahead of time and then assigned to different writers. So that's also a possibility. Yeah. But I I would not be surprised if there were some 90s Sabrina episodes in which There are. I'm thinking about now how many times people get shrunk in Sabrina. The only one I can think of offhand is the one where she's trapped in the toy chest. But I know there are more. Oh, I was thinking the one with her cousin who shrinks people and then traps them in jars. So there are at least two! (laughs) Plus there's that thing with her mom getting turned into a ball of clay if she ever sees her. You know, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, I was going to say how weird it is that Nell Scoville wrote this very horrific episode when she's known for the bright, shiny Sabrina as opposed to the chilling adventures of Sabrina on Netflix, but there's a lot of horror behind that bright, shiny in a lot of those episodes. Well, and this is something that will legitimately come up 
A, kind of in this episode, and B, later in Charmed, but there's an episode where Sabrina uses Mando to create a perfect boyfriend who only lives for 24 hours, and he realizes that he has only 24 hours to live and starts flipping out because he's very aware of his own eminent demise. Yep. But, yeah, a lot of this episode feels like it might be out of someone's DeviantArt account. They're the, the whole shrinking women and then coating them in clay. And let's not overlook, I feel like we should at least mention, we will talk about the episode itself at some point, I promise. We should talk a little bit about The Collector. The John Fowles novel. The John Fowles novel, which, even if you haven't read, you've kind of read. It's been referenced a lot. It's about this young man who gets obsessed with this woman, ends up kidnapping her, keeps her in his basement until she dies. If that sounds familiar from, say, the TV show You... Or the uh, episode of Sweet Valley High where Elizabeth gets kidnapped. Yeah, like a lot of people have referenced the story. And I'm not saying that this was a super original idea. Men have been kidnapping women and keeping them in basements for... Oh, God, that's a depressing sentence. What's One of the things that's really horrifying about the Collector is that he he wins a lottery. Like, not not a you-never-need-to-work-again amount of money, but, like, a, a significant amount of money. And so he's able financially to take off time, fill this basement, outfit this van, essentially implying that most, most, I want, I don't know if I'm going to say most men or most people, but, you know, given this amount of money, that's not even a large amount of money, most people would do heinous things. Mm. Which I don't actually believe. It's, I think it's kind of a Lord of the Flies situation. Yeah. It's like, wait, is that how people act when they're taken out of society? Or is that how British schoolboys from uh, the upper classes behave when they're taken out of society? Wasn't well, that kind of supposed to be the point of the novel? I mean, I know a lot of people read it as man is inhumane to man at its base level, but I feel like that might have been a... Uh... A critique of the, a specific British class structure. Yeah. Did that guy ever teach the guy who wrote that book? Because that might just be a, I was a middle school teacher for a few years. and. Oh my God. When I taught middle school, I, I, I happened to be teaching middle school when I watched Battle Royale. And I was like, yep, those, yep, kids are ravenous murder machines. It's accurate. Speaking of ravenous murder machines, Piper. So Piper is at the club and she is taking around this new club promoter she's brought on to revamp the club. Yep. Yep. He's going to make P3 a hot and happening spot. Now he's a club promoter. He is a club promoter. And she has given him carte blanche to do whatever he wants with the club. Because he's the hottest club promoter in town. Yes. He is in charge now. And then later she starts referring to him as a manager, which is not, that's not what managers do. Well, I mean, remember, she worked at Quake where her job was, like, maybe Piper just doesn't know how jobs work. Yeah. Well, I mean, the Charmed staff clearly doesn't know how restaurant jobs work. Oh, I'm excited for us to get to the uh, Ask Phoebe years, where Phoebe, as the newspaper's advice columnist, is basically second in position to the editor of the newspaper. Also, I'm excited to get to that, too, just to preview that a little bit. There seems to be some weird implication that she's obligated to answer every letter that comes in. She's like, oh, my God, I've got, like, a hundred letters. I'm so behind. No, Phoebe, just pick the best one. Just pick the one about the twincest and publish that, and then you're done. You don't have to print the one about the 
the bridesmaid who's upset about having to spend too much money at the wedding because that's fucking boring. And by the way, when I said twin cest, I am in fact referencing the very famous Dear Prudence twin cest letter. Within the advice column fandom community, I'm actually part of the advice column fandom community. Mm -hmm. And within that community, there are some famous advice column letters. And one of them is the Dear Prudence twin cest letter. Okay, I, I'm i not not surprised. See, when we get to the Dear Phoebe years, I'm actually going to probably talk about this a lot because I have strong feelings and thoughts about advice columnists. I just, I love that in the opposite world where they're all evil, she, her job is still advice columnist. She's an evil advice columnist. Well, I mean, there are evil and good advice columnists. And like, Dear Prudence, which has changed over hands a lot in recent years, but is also a fairly prominent advice column. It's Slate's advice column. As a result, there are people who have strong feelings about certain advice givers. You know, there are some people who are like very pro or anti Emily Yaffe versus very pro or anti Danny Lavery. Like it's, it's a thing. It's a thing. So Piper is negotiating is probably too strong word she is just letting this guy do whatever he wants to her uh club which by the way he says feels too safe and you know what max i definitely want to feel like my life is in danger when i go out dancing at night we need more of a you might get murdered here vibe have you ever heard of a little club called the bronze <laughs> yes yes I, I mean i know if you're living in sunnydale but, like, I would not let my child go to a club that has a minimum of two murders every week. Well, you let them go to a school that has a minimum of two murders a week. Uh, point. You think there's, like, a private school in Buffy that just doesn't have any of that going on? Um, I don't think within the world of Buffy such a thing exists. But I am getting ideas for my next fanfic project. Okay, we need to talk about this episode of Charmed. So, I want to hear more, but we do need to talk about this episode of Charmed. So Phoebe shows up and is like, Piper, Prue just died. You're not supposed to make any big life changes when someone dies. And Piper's like, okay, well, we're going to have the big life change of being evicted from our house because... We're no longer getting the $200,000 a year Prue was making as a freelance photographer. I'm sorry, staff photographer for some magazine. Speaking of people on Charmed not knowing what jobs are... Yeah, Phoebe's like, well, I, I could find a job. And, and Piper's like, are you going to be able to find an entry-level $200,000 a year job like Prue got as a photographer for a fashion magazine? Her first it, wasn't, it wasn't a I fashion mean, magazine. It was like an alt-weekly. This would be like saying someone at the Portland Mercury doing staff photography work made $200,000 a year. I mean, but she she was worth it. You saw that amazing picture she took. Of Amy Adams, who is unlucky despite being Irish. The, like, vengeful passport photo. Like, the photo that a really, really angry worker at the passport office took of her. That's what, what it looked like to me. Oh, I thought it just looked like a school photo of a of the prettiest teacher in the school. Ooh, ooh. Like, the really poor quality school photo that the girl in town gets gets plastered up when the pretty girl in town goes missing god yes 
so Phoebe's like, yeah, I, I can get a job. I just graduated college, which was such an underbaked subplot. It barely factored into the show at all. Well, because I charmed, they're allergic to any sort of continuing story element that might provide fodder books. for stories. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, auction house filled with weird antiquities. I think not. Oh, Phoebe working as a police psychic, which I, I know with police and all but like it's a good story or a hotel psychic or a hotel that could have been cool yeah it's beyond me that the thing that sticks for phoebe's advice column is but college college is a a fruitful area for witch stuff like but but we got uh we got the episode with the girl who found out that demons existed then got killed by demons we had the uh guys who got turned into animals episode those are both solid episodes. They're so yeah. I like the the girls who turn guys into animals episode. That was a fun episode of Charmed. I like that episode and not just because it starts Scott from Crazy Ace Girlfriend, which of course I love. That is great. He was amazing in that too. He knew he he knew just how to play. He had, he had that like doofy little pig walk because he used to be a pig. That was yep, great. Yep. I feel bad for the guy who played a rabbit because like the snake guy had like and I you know you move like a snake. The the pig guy had a like you know, rich history of cartoon pigs to draw right, from. Right, there, but there's, like, the funny guy, the sexy guy. What's that leave for the rabbit? Well, I mean, I think the rabbit was supposed to be the sexy guy and the snake was the dangerous guy. Oh, did I just reveal something about myself? <laughs> I think I did. Huh. But, anyway, Phoebe's gonna go find a shiny new job because she just graduated from college and if there's anything, uh, you know, the workforce loves, it's paying a lot of money to someone who just graduated from college who isn't related to someone in the company. Also, she has an undergraduate degree in psychology. I feel like with psychology, you need to get, like, a master's or a doctorate. I don't think you're gonna have... I don't think it's gonna be as helpful. I, I mean, I... I mean, I'm sure there's lots of things you can use it for. It's just that it's not... I know what I just said, and I know this show has no interest in Victor, but, like, isn't Victor, isn't their dad supposed to be, like, a highfalutin business guy who was going to buy a ghost town in that one episode? Oh, yeah, he was, wasn't he? Like, I'm just saying, you could bum a job off dad. Huh. But they don't care about Victor until uh, Piper has kids and they need someone to take care of them, so, you know, child labor laws. Anyway, Paige shows up and is like, hey, let me talk to you about witch stuff. And they're like, God, Paige, you're so into witch stuff. Okay, I know we're like four minutes into the episode and a lot of this has been complaining, even though we said it's a really good episode. But remember last episode when their whole thing was drilling Paige on witch stuff and making sure she was super into studying? And she's like, whatever, I don't want to study. Even though the episode before that, she had to steal the Book of Shadows so she could learn witch Poor Paige, they're jerking her around so much. They really are. But Paige comes because she is friendly with this guy that she flirts with at the grocery store. They flirt about melons. Ugh. And she's concerned because she thinks his house is all spooky. And she, now that she's a witch, she wants to investigate that. Yeah, she always got the creeps from uh, this guy's house and... She used to think it's just because it's a super creepy house, but now she's like, maybe it's a witch thing. And Piper's like, oh, Paige, shut up. You've been a witch for what, two minutes? Calm down! To quote Billy Eichner on uh, Bob's Burgers. It's such a good episode. But yeah, yeah, they're being really dismissive of Paige, which if you are right about this and she's wrong, like, then it's... It's a, it's a 
good teaching opportunity. Yeah, which Leo brings up later in the episode when she runs to Leo because she's not getting the answer she wants from uh, from her sisters. But, like, worst case scenario, there actually is a demon and it's something you have to deal with. Best case scenario, Paige gets to feel like she's done a successful little mission all by herself. Well, we, the audience, see this creepy house and we see the hot guy pull up with a blonde girl, so we know something's up. Come on. That blonde girl is doomed. 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 Why would you be blonde and charmed? I mean, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's just. It's a little victim blamey of you. It's a little victim blamey point. But. So this guy pulls up to his incredibly spooky house with this blonde woman he apparently just met. And she's like, ooh, I don't know if I should go, you know, into the house of someone I barely know. And he's like why what what could possibly happen to you in this house uh. what, what kind of question is I, that if someone responded to my legitimate concern about going to someone's house for the first time with what could possibly go wrong leave run okay okay you know how in the first episode of buffy it's like a subversion that the guy is bringing darla into the school and She's like, oh, no, I'm not sure if I should go in the school. And you're like, no, blonde cheerleader, run away. And then, or not cheerleader, she's just in a schoolgirl school uniform. Blonde schoolgirl, run away. And, and then he brings her in, and then she's a vampire, and she eats him. Yeah. So, so double subversion. This blonde girl is brought into the creepy house, and the creepy <laughs> guy who lives in the house hits her with a shrink ray. Oh, so can we talk about the creepy house just real fast? Yes. I feel like... This would be stronger if the house did not look like a haunted house from, like, a B-movie. Yes. If, if it didn't look like the Bates Motel in the front, not the Bates Motel itself, but the house on the hill where Norman and his mother live. If it didn't look like that, then it would be more interesting that it pinged on Paige's witch radar. But you know who else thinks this house is creepy? Anyone who walks past it ever! Oh, see, I think that works for it because it it gives uh, it gives Phoebe and Piper grounds to reject her concerns if they're like, "Oh, geez, you think something's going on in the really creepy house?" It's, it's like hiding in plain sight. Okay, it's okay. like it's like being a pervert owning a white van. So, actually, the thing about panel vans mm-hmm. those are those are called panel vans is that they're everywhere. You don't realize it until you start looking for them, but they are everywhere. So you actually do hide really well in a panel van yeah that that yes that's that there, there there's actually a thing about that in uh the runaways comics i don't I, we didn't get far enough into the tv show to find out but uh when the kids are running away they're running away in uh, chase's white van and they're like really you drive a white van and he's like yeah when that girl got kidnapped uh the police put out a notice for white vans and nobody could find her because white vans are everywhere and i realized that's the most inconspicuous thing because they're everywhere I mean, so. I see your point about the hiding in plain sight of the creepy dilapidated mansion. Mm-hmm. Um, I do disagree, though. I think it would be cooler if it was just... Or maybe this is just because I was raised in, like, a childhood of, of John Cheever and David Lynch that I'm like, no, it should be, like, a perfect cut lawn Americana because that's where the real horror is. I feel like I just it's, said it's that sarcastically, that. but I genuinely do believe that. 
It's weird that you referenced uh, them and not Tim Burton because I feel like that was Tim Burton's bread and butter in the 90s. Okay. It was Tim Burton's too, yeah. Or that one episode of American Dad. Okay, this is my point. I grew up in the 90s. This is just... I grew up in the 90s. I see, like, a happy, sunny suburb, and I'm like, nope, nope, stay away. It's a really good episode of American Dad. American Dad gets really good later. Like that That's the episode downtown. I'm letting our listeners know. Yes. I know you know. You just referenced it. Though I don't know the names of any episode of American Dad or television in general. Anyway, so uh, the girl gets hit by a shrink ray, opening credits. We go to a really creepy seven-esque montage of the collector carving out figures of women and burning the clay and baking the clay baking the clay clay. yes baking the clay and then he's holding this like figurine of this woman whose neck is sharply to one side and she's she's holding it at like a weird angle and yeah it's frightening yeah it's really spooky and Paige is standing outside getting the getting the creeps Meanwhile, Phoebe is having the worst job interview ever on okay. both sides. Okay, yes. Phoebe is terrible at doing the job interview, but also the woman who's interviewing her is like, so I see here you didn't graduate from college, so you were 27. What the fuck is wrong with you? Also, Phoebe's 27 now, because remember, in the season one episode where we met Old Dad, she established herself as being barely old enough to drink. Yeah, but she established that to a character who no longer exists, so... Yeah, I'm sure that episode is massively non-canon by this point. That was Old Dad. We're all, we all forgot about Old Dad. No one cares about Old Dad. But, like... But it's true. She's, tw- she's not 27. She left home... At 18. At 18. She was in New York for a year or so. Grams died. She came back. So she was 19 or 20 when the show started. We are on... Season four, she is. She cannot possibly be past twenty five. I think she was twenty one because the the episode with new dad was like three episodes into the show. So I think she was in New York for like two ish years. All right. Well, now we're getting closer to twenty seven, and I feel bad for being so outraged. Because okay, if she was twenty one then four years ago, yeah, yeah, it's it's not the huge. Yeah, it's not the hugest thing in the world, but it does feel like when they introduce Paige, they're like, okay, we need to add a few years onto Phoebe here. Yeah, we gotta age everyone up a little bit. Also, trying to keep this sort of continuity and charmed is impossible because the flashback episode with the cat familiar who went evil and turned into a demon and needed to be killed nine times, the flashback stuff established that Grams died before Phoebe left for New York, even though literally the inciting incident of the show is Grams dying and Phoebe coming back from New York. It's like they think we weren't watching. Which, I guess, no, upon saying that sentence out loud, I'm like, okay, fair. (laughs) And and, then this was before, this was before streaming, this was before, this was even when it wasn't that usual to get full seasons on DVD, so... Okay, Charmed. Okay. But Phoebe is doing ridiculously badly in this job interview. Oh, my God. Okay, so the interviewer asks her why it took so long to finish college, which is rude. But she says, you know, I had some personal stuff to deal with. The interviewer's like, like what? And she's like, mm, I don't want to talk about it. And here's the thing. You don't have to talk about health stuff. And you shouldn't talk about health stuff in a job interview because... The employer is legally not allowed to take that into consideration, but them being humans, you know they're going to be thinking, oh, is this going to affect the job? So, honestly, your best bet 
from a wanting the job perspective and like your, your best bet is just not bring it up in the job interview but phoebe's being all cagey she's like i'm gonna have to leave a lot for things that i can't talk about and i'm definitely not gonna keep regular hours but don't worry i am so used to dealing with customer complaints it's like second nature to me no worries yeah, Phoebe will blame not getting this job on being a witch later, but it's more that she's just a terrible employee and very upfront about it, which I guess is nice of her to be upfront <laughs> about what a god-awful employee she would be. Because the woman the woman is doing a bad job interviewing her. The woman keeps on focusing on weird stuff, and she assumes that Phoebe's a drug addict, I guess, but... Okay, if she said... I, I, I actually don't blame the one for this, because when Phoebe said... I'm going to have to leave unexpectedly throughout the day. Just stuff's going to come up and I'm going to have to go. My thought was that my assumption as an employer would be that she was in recovery and she would have to go to meetings. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Especially if she was unwilling to provide information. That would be my assumption. And that wouldn't wouldn't necessarily be a negative for me. Like, I, I don't think. But, you know. I don't think, I don't, in that case, I don't think the employer is out of line to be like, oh, is this a, is this an AA thing? Well, if I were Phoebe, A, I would have gone into that meeting with some excuses, and I know it's not the best thing and you probably wouldn't get the job with it, but I would have just mentioned that I was part owner of a club. Oh, see, I wouldn't have brought that up because then they're going to think that you've got more important things than the job and nobody wants to hear that, even though obviously we all do. No one dreams of labor. Yeah, but I mean, if you're going to... If you're going to be like, I have to mysteriously disappear for... See, I would have gone with, you should know I have a health issue where I have migraines. So sometimes I might have to duck out, but... Oh, and that would link with the premonition. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not, it's barely a lie, which are the best kinds of lies. But then you could be like, but it's a thing I've been working with. It's a thing I'm used to. And I am very good at, um, you know, catching up on things I've... so that nothing falls behind when I have to deal with that kind of stuff. Like, that's what I would go in with. Yeah. If, if I had to deal with, you know, getting premonitions and having to fight demons in the middle of the day. Yeah, I still don't think she'd get the job, though. Well, like I said, it's a health thing. I wouldn't bring it up until after I had the job. Which you can't do here because she's asking these questions during the interview. Well, Phoebe's the one who started yeah, with Phoebe the I throw it off yeah. in the middle of the day. Yeah, Phoebe brought that up at the inter- I mean, Look, I guess it's good to get all of your stuff out ahead of you, but... Look, maybe this is just because I read a lot of Ask a Manager, but I feel like I've got some real good advice for y'all. If you're in a job interview and the interviewer doesn't specifically bring it up, do not volunteer the information. I am unreliable and will leave randomly throughout the day. <laughs> So Phoebe completely whiffs this job interview and Paige walks into the manor to see Leo meditating in midair because... Yeah, well, surrounded by like orb light. It's pretty cool. It is, it is a pretty cool effect. I just want to say, how how much did Phoebe get screwed? Her special active charmed one power is something literally every white lighter can do. Which means that Paige can do it too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sucks to be Phoebe. But uh, Leo gets shocked by uh, Paige and, you know, Leo, you know, comes down to have a conversation with Paige and Paige is like, isn't this house attacked by demons all the time? Why was the front door unlocked? Okay, okay. Leo's like, well, you know, demons come fight us here a lot and it's easier to leave the door unlocked than to have to replace it constantly. Which is fair. That's Doors are so much more expensive than you would think. Okay, but I don't think that demons shacks aside i feel like demons mostly just teleport into your house 
People will straight up rob you. Also, maybe if you put wards around the house, that would be more helpful than just opening the door and being like, we'll just fight them when they get in here. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird how whenever evil takes over the house, like the first thing they do is put up wards. This is the Which reason- Which lets us know that it can be done. This is why we keep bringing it up. Like, I know we bring it up a lot, but it is kind of a big flaw in the show that demons can literally just come into the house whenever. So, I mean, the real reason, right, is that nobody wants to build another set. So if all of the fighting happens here in the foyer of the Charmed Manor, then nobody ever has to build, you know, wherever they go to face down the demons. So Paige is talking to Leo about maybe getting special permission to do her own solo mission where she investigates the house, and Leo encourages her because, you know, it, it'll be good for her, like, you know, it's a it's a good idea. It's good that Paige is being proactive about witch stuff, especially after last episode. And Phoebe comes in and just rains all over this parade. Well, Phoebe's just pissed because she didn't get a job that a monkey could do. We never find out what the job was. Yeah. It's a job a monkey can do that pays $200,000 a year. Hmm. <laughs> I got nothing. I got nothing. A model for a chimp version of uh, the of maxim oh, or maybe only monkeys only monkeys <laughs> no no but maybe it was maybe it was to be maybe she was applying to be on friends oh she was supposed to be marcel i'm sorry i think friends would have done even better than it did if marcel was just somebody dressed as a monkey Anybody dressed as a monkey. Alyssa Milano. <laughs> I don't know why that's so much. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Go ahead. So, so Phoebe pulls Leo to the side and she's like, so do you really think Paige is onto something? And Leo's like, no, but you know, it, it's good. It'll give her some confidence. And Phoebe's like, fine, I guess I'll just do it myself. And Leo's like, that's not, no. It's the it's opposite. Not. It's the opposite of what he said to do. She's just so irritated cause, because Paige is like, well, I gotta go back to work. And Phoebe's like, oh, rub it in. So she's going to investigate the house instead of letting Paige do it herself, which, okay, fine, whatever. Anyway, back at the club, the club promoter, whose name, by the way, is Treat. Oh. Uh. You think he's an alternate universe version of Mr. Trick? No, I think he's an alternate universe version of Sweet. Or rather, like, he's in he's 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 in some sort of organization with Sweet. Sweet being the one from Once More with Feeling who Yeah. Makes them all sing until they internally combust. And Mr. Trick is the little bad of uh, season three of Buffy. Unless you count Faith as the little bad, which I don't think you should. Faith is the dragon, which is a different role, even though they often overlap. Trick did set up, Mr. Trick did set up Slayer Fest 98. Yeah, he's basically the big bad for the first part of the season. I'm always thinking he's basically a promoter. Oh, Yes. Yeah, plus wasn't he wasn't he responsible for the Oh no, no. That that he was responsible for, but it was when he started working for the mayor, uh the band candy thing. Trick and treat club promotion. Yes. Okay, but my point is I think that uh That was a good night for the bronze band candy. Yes. Yes. 
But my point is that even though this this guy is a human and we see nothing indicating that he's not a human, he's definitely a demon and he's doing this to fuck with Piper. Yeah, he's going to make uh, P3 all sexy. There's going to be sexy women in sexy outfits. And there's oh, he's gauze re- he's everywhere. He's renaming it The Spot. Yeah. What's... Because P3 sounds like a airport parking level, so it's much better that it sounds like a... Venereal disease? Oh, haven't you heard? He's got the spot. Don't sleep with Mitch. He's got the spot. Also, he's making all of the women wear, like, crop tops with, like, sparkly things on it that say the spot and i don't like it i I, i'm not to be fair piper doesn't like it either piper's like this is a dumb gross thing but we need money so whatever yeah yeah it's just i know i'm not the kind of person that this club is aimed at i'm not the kind of person who would go to this kind of club but i would feel uncomfortable with the way the women who work at this club are being sexualized i'd be like i don't i don't i don't want to go to a club and feel like the people who work there are not being treated right speaking of the evil uh, dimension pipe the version of uh, p3 in the alternate universe is uh it's it's a strip club but one of those tv friendly strip clubs where people keep their clothes on and i'm like that feels really sex negative i feel like it's much although i guess it is technically this i feel like it's much worse to just be in that quasi space in between strip clubs and regular clubs that this club is clearly aiming for oh yeah we didn't bring it up but he he's talking about how he wants to put in a bunch of couches and pillows around and i'm like what kind of club is this well i mean if p3 switched to being a sex club it would probably last a lot longer i feel like those go forever yeah well you just you lock in a you lock in a base clientele they get charged a base amount i'm assuming is how that works yeah you pay a yearly membership fee and then at a lot of the depending on the club but mostly you pay a yearly membership fee but then you still pay a door fee when you come in but and i don't know what the laws are in california the nice thing about operating as a sex club is that it's a membership club which means a lot of liquor and licensing laws do not apply to you so yeah honestly it's not the worst pivot piper could take it's just not what she's interested in doing yeah which is running a restaurant (laughs) she's so far off track of what she's doing so back at the creepy house phoebe's at the creepy house and she is creep investigating. it's very horror movie because we saw this when the blonde woman first came into the house and did not mention it but the dilapidated nature of the house means that there are all of these like crevices and like inside wall spaces where a person can and is hiding and we see the creepy guy like hiding and peering out from between holes in the wall yeah honestly honestly a lot like in psycho when norman bates is spying on marion yeah so Phoebe picks up a figurine and has a premonition of the woman the figurine used to be getting lured into, or I guess past monition because this already happened, being lured into the house and shrunken and then burned alive. alive in the kiln. And then she drops it. And then Phoebe drops it and it shatters. And it's. That used to be a person. It's fucked up. Also, also, I know, I know, Her I know. premonitions are, are jerks. They should have told her that before she walked into the house. Why didn't she get that premonition when she touched the door handle? So she would know not to go into the house. Uh, but the... They uh, waited until she was literally holding a corpse to, oh, God. to kick in. But the creepy collector guy jumps out and 
uses the shrink ray on her, so now Phoebe is tiny. Yep. So, anyone who's fans of Tiny Alyssa Milano, this would be an episode for you. You ever wonder why, I mean, I know it's a stylistic thing, but I, I never really understood the logic behind your voice getting higher the smaller you shrink. Because your vocal cords get tiny. I don't know. Yeah, I... Is the theory that mice would have really deep voices if they were bigger? Yes. Because there's, like, space for it to, like, echo around and shit. I guess. Feels weird. Anyway, the collector is trying to grab Phoebe. He's like, her, her, and he just looks like an old man. Older man. Mm-hmm. No, old man. Older. Okay, so he's probably... He's probably in his 50s, which is not old. and But he is given the... The aspect of an old man. Yeah, he walks he walks carefully. He has like a tattered bathrobe. Like, yeah. Yeah, he exudes old energy. So the actor does a really good job with it. I don't think they specifically needed this specific actor, but they got him and he does a really good job. So Yes, I was going to say the actor unsurprisingly does a good job with it. So he's trying to get Phoebe, and it does kind of kill the drama, because this is legitimately a tense, horrifying scene, until Phoebe uses her levitation power to get away from him by levitating over his arm. She, like, does a little, she does a little jump, but then she keeps going, because they're green screening her anyway, so, you know. I, I would say that what ruins the, the tense atmosphere is that he picks up a shop vac to, to capture her, and she says... Oh, this sucks. Boo. Sucks. Boo. So Leo orbs Paige into uh, P3 because Paige can't orb on her own yet. And Paige is like, I don't think I'll ever get used to this orbing thing. And I was going to be like, it's weird that you said that in front of a room full of people. But I guess nobody's paying attention to them. Leo orbed them into a room full of people. So I guess we just don't care about people finding out about magic now. Paige also points out, wow, they're really, you know... They're really destroying your club, Piper. It looks like shit now. And Piper's like, yes, thank you. I know. What's up? And, uh... Okay. Leo tells... Leo tells Piper that Phoebe has just disappeared off his radar. It's like she became super tiny, and now he can't find her. And I'm sorry... Bullshit. Your white lighter radar is based on, like, size? In fact, she's so tiny that when she's calling out to him for help, he can't hear her calling for help bullshit there's no way it works like that also he's like emotional like he feels the emotions of his charges hey tiny people have tiny emotions max didn't you know that jesus christ so piper's like jesus christ page how much more can you fuck up and Paige's, you know sad face in the corner yeah she i do appreciate though that she you know says that they weren't listening to her so she went to leo and what else was she supposed to do and piper does acknowledge okay as a witch, it was the right thing to do. As a sister, super annoying. Good distinction. Good distinction. All right, so we're we're still doing the Sebastian the Crab and the French chef guy from the Little Mermaid scene with Phoebe and the collector. And the collector's like, oh, a charmed one? You're more unique than other women. You'll be a, the prize of my collection. But then the hot guy shows up. I don't know how much sympathy we're supposed to have for this character. Spoiler alert, he's a golem, which I really don't love. Well, I wish they just hadn't used the word golem. Because yeah. because that's, by the way, not what he is. A golem, 
a golem is specifically a creature from Jewish folklore that is created to protect Jewish people. Like, this is a homunculus. This is a creature who is designed by, a, who is designed and imbued with life by a wizard to do his bidding. Those are completely different things, and one of them doesn't have a lot of cultural baggage attached to it. Yeah. Like, I, I don't, don't, I don't love it. I don't think there's ever a canonically Jewish character in Charm, so it feels weird to have them, although we're, we're going to have a lot to talk about Charmed borrowing from other cultures later in the show. Mm-hmm. But, uh, well, and this this is the thing where there's nothing about him that is golem like it. It would have been so easy to just use the right word and not introduce this very uncomfortable aspect to the show. But that's that's not that's not how charmed rolls. Whatever it gets mentioned once, and don't get too attached to this guy, a minion who wants to go against his boss and charmed. Clearly, this will end well for him. Also, it's a little late in the game to be like, hey, dude, I think maybe baking women into little clay figurines is fucked up. I think the implication is that um, he's starting to think that because he's starting to develop a relationship with Paige just from seeing her around. Like, all of these other women he didn't have a relationship with, so it didn't occur to him to think of them as humans, which makes sense because he himself is not a human. He's just a creature that exists to serve the Collector, so why would he think of anyone else as being different? But the more he gets to know Paige, the more he's like, oh, wait, this is bad. So I really like this bit between Piper and Paige. They drive up to the house and Piper's trying to get Paige to stay in the car. And Paige is like, no, I I need witch experience. If I'm going to be able to protect myself, I need to learn how to protect myself. And Piper's like, I want you to learn how to protect yourself, but I need to protect you now while you're vulnerable. There, there's a there's a kind of give and take here where like Paige wants to experience dangerous situations so that she can learn how to handle them and Piper wants to protect Paige until she is able to handle dangerous situations yeah meanwhile Paige wants to protect Phoebe because she feels like she put Phoebe into this situation which she did not that is a hundred percent on Phoebe yep yep and and Piper wants to protect Paige they come up with the plan that Paige is going to go lure out the hot guy so that Leo and Piper can go investigate the house. So she's going to lure out the hot guy and bring him over to the spot. And, you know, last week we said that she never does that lollipop thing again. She pulls out a lollipop, though, and sticks it in her mouth and specifically says that it's for, it's for seducing. Like, she's going to suck on that lollipop in order to seduce... Hey, does this remind you of anything phallus-like? You know what's weird? Rose McGowan's character does that in Jawbreaker. Yeah. It's one of the like more memorable scenes from Jawbreaker. I bet that's why it showed up in Charmed. Probably. So, Leo and Piper talk for a little bit in the car about Piper's new role as the eldest sister. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just a little bit, but I do like that they're acknowledging... Uh, they're acknowledging that Piper is having a hard time coming into her own. We we talk a lot about how, you know, they talk about how Prue was the most powerful witch, but it was really Piper, but that didn't kind that really didn't kick in until like two episodes before Prue died. So Piper got thrown into the deep end almost immediately after becoming the most powerful of the three sisters. Now there's a really there's a really nice like thematic undercurrent in this episode. 
Piper feels like she has to completely change P3 in order to make money to keep supporting the family. And this promoter who's come in, the way he's doing that is by getting rid of the name, amongst other things. But he's erasing P3. He's literally removing Prue from the club so that they can survive. And it's the same thing that's happening here. She needs to step up and take Prue's place in order for them to survive. But to do that, she has to, in some sense, let go of Prue in a way that she hasn't yet. It's a real good thematic undercurrent in this whole episode i love that the the third p in p3 is always prue like i don't think there's ever a point i mean obviously how would you address that in universe but i don't feel like Paige ever gets a stake in the club yeah no i don't, definitely don't think so yeah like, it it is always the shadow of prue which is a good aspect of the show it really adds a lot after prue's death that this character continually casts a shadow over everything else up to the end or not the end not really at all in the postscript season but the fake the end the fake the end where literally the thing they use to defeat zanku zanku but the thing that they use to defeat him is Prue's astral projection Mm -hmm. like they tap into her power to stop the ultimate big bad until the next ultimate big bad the guy who was so bad that the source himself sealed him away anyway phoebe does the (laughs) phoebe levitates up onto the table to the uh blonde woman who is encased in rapidly drying clay phoebe kicks it which i feel like is kind of a huge gamble but it's fine wait why is it a gamble i don't know i feel like it might get stuck to her skin and there's nothing magical about the clay the clay is just regular clay yeah, but I wouldn't assume that. I guess that's true. But anyway, she does. She kicks it, she shatters it, and... She's like, oh, you're blonde. Oof, never mind. Because she's like, I'm gonna... Don't worry, I'm here to save you. Breaks the clay. Ooh, no. Not really. They run off together. Yeah. And then we get a scene where the Hawkeye is talking to the Collector, and he says, you know, I, I just realized what we're doing is super wrong, and the Collector says, where did you get a conscience? I never gave you one. Oh. <gasps> And then he captures the girls in a coffee can. Yeah, we... Like, instantly! Instantly! Even before... Actually, that happened before Hot Guy came in. Like, they... They got, like, two feet away before he was like, You're tiny. I'm big. Coffee can! Yeah. So, they've been captured, and the Hot Guy opens the door to Paige, who's like, Hello! Yep, you suck on the lollipop, and then he thinks of you sucking on his penis. Seduction 101. She's like, hey, I know that we just bump into our grocery store and you make veiled comments about my breasts, but why don't we go to this hot new club I just heard about and away from your house? Yeah, let's go. Let's go to this hot daytime club. Like, it is. (laughs) It is like two in the afternoon. I mean, I guess technically it's at least after five because Paige is off work now, but that sun is bright. I just, I love how she keeps on sticking the lollipop in her mouth and looking in his eyes. Like. <laughs> you know, I gotta say, I really like what they do with Paige with color. Uh, before I mentioned how she had kind of a Velma thing going on with the orange and the red. Mm-hmm. And uh, this week she's got this very 
bold purple sweater and then she's wearing like a hot pink backpack just the, the color i just i like that's weird i was thinking of her primary outfit as being in muted tones and then she has sharp accents in her accessories mm. I, well i think this is a bold purple like it's not it's not a duller purple yeah anyway i i just uh i like where the dress page that's that's nothing groundbreaking i just like it so Paige rides off on the back of the guy's motorcycle and she mouths to Piper like, go into the house and look for stuff as they're pulling off. And Piper's like, ah, fine. Piper seems so annoyed, even though this was literally the plan. The plan was that she would take him away and they would go to P3. So everybody calm down. So Leo and Piper orb into the house and... How much does Leo suck as a white lighter that he can't sense Phoebe in the same room? Hey, hey, hey. She's tiny now. God. So they're wandering around and Piper's looking at all the figurines and she's like, well, it's creepy as all get out, but I don't think I'm allowed to murder people just for being creepy. Not not in season four, at least. Not in season four. We're not into the seasons where Piper will casually murder people for vaguely annoying her. But, uh, yeah, we get a bunch of incredibly horrifying shots of, uh, figurines. Women screaming while they're being burned alive figurines. Yeah, where their eyes are gouged out and painted black. Like, props to the prop department on this, because that is straight up horrifying. Yeah. Yeah. I wish Grams was still alive. Or was dead in the way where she could murder people. As she is several points later in the show, because I would like to see Graham handling this guy. I think a lot of episodes, it, it makes sense to me that they couldn't come into their powers until they were together, and that didn't happen until Graham's was dead, because a lot of this show would be a lot shorter if they had Graham's helping them out. I mean, honest to God, it's not the best episode of Charmed by a long shot, but the episode with Grams and the Necromancer might be one of my favorite episodes oh, of Charmed. Oh, it is a good episode, or a fun episode. The bit where, where you know, she kills him and he, he wakes up in his lair again because he's a Necromancer and he's talking about, like, how brutal she is whenever she murders him and he's like, oh my God, it's so hot. I love that episode. It's, um like Gwyneth Paltrow's first husband or dad or something he he was the he was the prince in um or the duke in the princess bride or maybe it's a Sarandon maybe Chris Sarandon we'll get there whatever but I, I love that actor so Piper <laughs> Piper and Leo decide they're going to orb back to the manor and... They just leave Phoebe and that blonde lady. That blonde lady's like, your sister and brother-in-law totally just left us to die. Which they did. It's weird that Piper didn't find this guy when she was on her scrying for evil kick, but... Well, I, I guess there's a lot of people a lo going Yeah, ahead. there's a lot of evil in San Francisco. And he only kills, like, one woman every two weeks. That's low on the demon end. Probably not even that. I mean, that he probably kills less than one a month, given the size of the collection and how long we know he's been at it. But, yep, looks like Phoebe and this blonde woman are totally screwed. Yep. Bye, Phoebe. No more Phoebe. Oh, it turns out our mom actually had another daughter. Or maybe we can just pull that in that girl from that episode. Aviva. God. I like Paige, but it would have been really cool to bring Aviva back as the new fourth Hallowell. Yes. 
So, when we come back from commercial, so when we come back from commercial, Phoebe and the blonde girl are now encased in clay. Uh-oh. And they're, like, talking through the clay and... Phoebe's like, okay, now that we're, like, in clay, I'm just gonna act like it's a mud bath and think about a way to get us out of here. I'm gonna focus on getting us out of here. And then she's like, man, today sucks. I had this terrible job interview this morning and the blonde woman's like, seriously? Seriously, I have to listen to this and then I have to die. Can you just not? Yeah. Oh, I had a bad job interview. Really, that's the worst thing that <laughs> happened to you today. Well, if that's the worst thing that happens to you today. Back at the manor, Piper and Leo find the entry for the collector who has the... He, he has a demon name, but he's also known as the collector because that's what we're cribbing from. Let's let, Let's be right on the nose with this. Let's... What's weird is that the Book of Shadows doesn't indicate that the figurines are humans. And Piper's like, so what? It's a creepy hobby, but so what? Like, I feel like the Book of Shadows left out a very important piece of information. Maybe Grimms was aware of him but didn't know about the ladies thing. And he's like, and she's just like, hey, okay, so look, there's this totally creepy demon guy who's like really into figurines. Avoid him. But, yeah, he, he used to be young and hot, but now he's not anymore. And Piper's like, but wait a second, we saw him looking all young and hot. Right, because they never saw they never saw old Collector, they just saw the hot Gollum, who I now, I, I now, our fourth time through this episode, I'm only just now realizing, was almost certainly designed to look like the Collector before he was cursed by a witch to be ugly. And mean yeah he's not he's he's, he's, he's not fine. he's fine looking he's just like in his 50s and kind of creepy which he's, is a vibe a lot of people are into i'm sure anyway i am only just now realizing that finn was obviously made to oh the golem's name is finn mm. that the the hot guy was clearly made to look like him younger like that's what he wanted although in, why would you want that like, Why would you want a reminder of how hot you used to be? Right? So Paige is having a shockingly frank discussion with Finn about, so what's with the whole shrinking women and turning them into figurines or whatever? And he's like, oh, you know about that. Yeah, it's not me. It's my, I want to say dad. <laughs> That's probably not the right word for it. but My dad, creator, boss guy. And she's like, what's going on here? And he's like, hey, I feel like the best way to tell you what's going on here is to take your hand and shove it into my pants. Yes. Which I, I feel like there are better ways of uh, demonstrating that you are a golem than shoving a woman's hand down your pants so she can feel that you're, I guess, smooth like a Ken doll. No, it said he doesn't have a belly button. Well, why does she need to shove her hand down her... Why does he need to shove her hand down his pants for that? You could just lift up your shirt like he does later in the episode. I don't know. I don't know. Well, I mean, I do know. I, I know exactly why. Anyway, Piper and Leo are at P3. And it's too sexy now. I mean, to be fair, these women are dancing on the bar tops. That's not... The health department's going to shut them down. And then... Oh my god. And then the bouncer tries to stop Piper from getting in because she's not cool enough to come in. And I, I do I do like that she's like, I get that you see me and you think, oh, this woman's not important enough to come in. 
well, guess what? And that is a good, that's a good feeling to be able to do. Yeah, she's like, I am the most important person in the goddamn universe, and I am three seconds away from atomizing you. And then, uh, not sweet, would, would, treat. treat. Treat comes over and he's like, no, it's cool, she can come in. And Piper's like, I've got a lot of murder energy right now, you really don't want to, uh. And then she looks over and Leo is grinding up on, like, three different women on the dance floor. I think the women are supposed to be grinding up on Leo, but, yeah. Leo's horny. Or people are being horny at Leo. Leo exudes horniness, not to blame Leo. Also, he mentions that there are people physically having sex at another point in the club, so. So, suddenly Leo's worried about people seeing them orb, so they duck behind one of the sex couches where a couple is having sex, and they orb from behind the couch to Paige's apartment because she's left P3 and brought the guy back to her apartment. Oh, she's left the spot. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, she left the spot. And, oh my god, I just, I can't even with what happens when they get to her apartment. Okay, so Finn has taken his shirt off and Paige is crouched in front of him so it looks like she's performing oral sex on him. And Piper's like, Paige, how dare you have oral sex with someone who might be a demon? Oh, yeah, like you're one to talk. And to be fair, even though that's not what she's doing, even though apparently she had to kneel down to inspect the fact that he has no belly button, what is happening with this show? Even though that's what's happening, even if she was giving him a blowjob, you said take him out of the house and distract him. Mission accomplished. I, I don't see what the problem is, Piper. So... Finn fills them in on the thing with the collector, the shrinking women and turning them into clay thing, and Piper's like, that really feels like the sort of information the book should have had. But, uh... The book book is like Phoebe's premonitions. Sometimes it's a dick. But Piper's like, okay, look, does he know that you suddenly decided that murdering women is wrong? And he's like, no, he thinks I'm still loyal. And Piper's like, okay, good, man on the inside. Our main goal right now is to rescue Phoebe. And I guess anyone else he's got. And then at the very bottom, like way, way low priority is help you get free. Yeah. So. I I like that Paige takes time to point out that Piper's club sucks now. She's like, yeah, I know we have to, uh, we have to save Phoebe or whatever. But also, have you realized how much your club sucks now that it's the spot? She points out rightly that Trendy Club is not what you want to be because Trendy Club is only good for the, like, week that it's trending. Mm-hmm. You want to be the club that has a dedicated clientele. You want consistent club. Exactly. Or I don't know. I don't know what you want because I thought what you wanted was to own a restaurant. So, so who am I to say what it is you want, Piper? Anyway, they argue about the best way to go in because Piper argues that the best thing to do is go in undecided un unprepared and wing it and okay okay i like that page is like look we can either do your plan or my plan although i feel like they're functionally pretty similar but uh you can do your plan or my plan why don't we just flip a coin and then she flips it and she calls it and by calling it she orbs it that is cool yeah she she orbs the coin over because it lands on heads and she calls tails and orbs it over so they go back to the they go back to the manor to get prepared because Paige 
rigged the coin toss to decide that they should prepare. Yeah, Although it turns out maybe they should have gone with Piper because the collector is waiting for them at the manor and shrinks them. Yeah, he shatters. He he shatters. Riley, no Finn. I'm sorry. I've, I've I I went to Riley because Riley Finn. But yes, he shatters Finn and shrinks Piper and Paige. So it didn't matter that instead of just charging in with no plan, they went home to make a plan. In fact, they they would have been better off charging in with no plan because he's not there. Yeah. He's really lucky it took Piper longer to respond than it normally does because Piper just watches him shatter the Gollum guy and then gets shrunk before she gets the chance to blow him up. Well, Phoebe wasn't there to shout, freeze him, Piper! So she had no idea what to do. Also, uh, Paige's instinctive uh, orbing shows a bad time to not kick in. Yep. So we cut back to the collector's house after commercial, and now everyone is is baked in clay. Well, they're they're just covered in oh, clay. Oh, sorry. Yes, not baked. They are covered in clay. Including the blonde chick, who's like... this. Is, these women are useless. This is... These are the most powerful witches in the world who are supposed to save me. I am so fucking screwed. Also, how dumb is the collector? Because the collector's like, okay, so I have three of the most powerful witches in the world... And some random lady, shrunken and covered in clay. I'm gonna kill one of them right off the bat by baking them in my kiln. Should I should I destroy the power of three, thus limiting the power of the three incredibly powerful witches I have briefly at my mercy? Or should I bake the random lady who has no powers whatsoever? Random lady. Uh, so they realize that now that the three of them are together, even though the clay has baked it has dried enough that piper can't wave her arms and do the freeze thing they can all chant and say a, a power three spell but they can't because phoebe's clay which has been there longer has dried enough that she can no longer speak so okay can't phoebe just kind of levitate and then drop a little bit to break the uh is the clay too heavy for her to levitate i guess i guess so but it's uh, luckily Paige has the ability to orb, kind of. So they talk her into, she's like, I've never been able to orb at will before. And they're like, well, you should learn soon because, you know. And she points out she can only orb in place. Like, she disappears briefly and then she reappears in the same place. But that's okay because what she needs to do is disappear. The clay is wet. It will collapse and then she'll reappear and there will be no clay. Piper talks her through, you know, using her power, you, you know, relax, let the magic flow through you, et cetera, et cetera, believe in yourself. And she does, and it works. Yep. And then she goes and frees the other two. Boy, it sure is lucky for that blonde woman that the collector's taking such a long time to actively put her in the kiln. Yeah, it's taking forever, but okay, Piper can't freeze him because she's too tiny now, and that's how magic works. But luckily he left his wand out. And, uh... And Paige is able to orb the wand over to them. So I guess her magic is enough to move the wand, even though even though Piper's magic is not enough to freeze the Collector. Okay, I kind of totally love this, because the Collector notices they have his wand now. Uh, Piper and Phoebe pick it up like it's a cannon and point it at him, and they, they're like... Piper, we need a spark to get it started. And she just goes up from behind it and does a little explosion and it, it activates the wand and it shrinks the guy. I'm like, I actually really love the visuals here. 
Yeah. Well, you just love using that gif of the three of them holding the giant wand, or I guess the tiny of them holding the regular-sized wand. Okay, see, the thing is, I first saw that gif in the wild, and I didn't realize they were shrunken, and that it was, like, I thought it was a magic cannon or something. But it's such a it's such a fun image. They shrink the collector, and now that he's their size, they can power through him to death. Yeah, apparently, uh... Phoebe's been thinking of vanquishing spells all day. What else did she have to do? So they all say the power of three spell that Phoebe tells them to say, and his vanquishing makes them regular-sized again and saves the the girl that was, like, seconds from going into a kiln, and now she's regular-sized again and is like, all right, bye. <laughs> Goodbye. Yeah. They're like, don't tell anyone about this. And she's like, yeah, I'm not telling anyone about this. I'm never leaving my apartment ever again. But you were blonde and you survived an episode of Charmed. Good for you. And you weren't evil, like... Yeah. I mean, it does happen. Like, the their friend who got turned old by Javna got unturned old by the end of the episode. But, like, yeah. Still, I, it's pretty impressive. Yeah. Being a blonde victim lady who survives, that's rare. So then we go back to the spot where Dave Navarro is performing. Hi, Dave Navarro. I have no strong opinions on you whatsoever. Same. It's a fine enough song. But they're talking about how uh, Piper has fired Treat and like they're they're just gonna go back to being P three. Oh, we didn't mention we didn't mention before that while the renovation was happening, the P three neon sign got destroyed. It was very sad and poignant because, you know, it's like the literal symbol of, of Prue and now now that's gone too. But it's okay. Leo can heal it. Yeah, like, Leo takes them out back, you know, to the, uh, to where the sign is, and they're like, it's just broken glass, and he's like, broken glass that needs healing, and he heals it, and it turns on, and, uh, oh, P3's back together, you know, it's a metaphor, whatever. Okay, so, when, when, when the owl guy got shot, Leo can't heal owls, but he can, but, but he can heal signs. When Cole got stabbed, he could only, he could only heal the human part, not the demon part. But he can heal signs. A third example. He healed the pipes. He healed the pipes. <laughs> okay, I was actually going to argue that the P3 sign is a symbol of the club, which is itself a symbol of the connection that the girls share. Therefore, he's able to heal it because, like, metaphor matters in magic. Mm. But, yeah, it's, it's a nice moment to end the episode on. Leo heals the sign. P3 is going to go back to being P3. The sisters are closer now. Uh, I guess there wasn't really anything that should make them learn lessons. I guess they should trust Paige more. Paige was right. About one thing. It's a... It's a... It's a, it's a start. It's a start. But yeah, I, I really like this episode. It was good. And it was... It was, an, it was adequately creepy. Oh, God. Just the being buried alive is a big fear of mine and being covered in clay and then cremated is gonna go on that list now yeah and it's i at the very beginning i referenced the butterfly women wrestling episode of futurama i don't think it's inherently a bad thing to try to put whatever you're into into whatever you're working on as long as it doesn't overshadow the actual plot as long as it's something people can enjoy if they don't share your very specific fetish, which I feel like this episode did well. 
I agree. I'm not saying that Nell Scoville has a thing for shrinking women and covering and covering them in clay. I'm not saying that whoever in the writing, like whoever put that in, I'm not saying that it's necessarily a fetish thing. It just really feels like one. It's what's that quote? It's about pornography, I think. Like you know it when you see it. It's about obscenity. Yeah. You can't define it, but you know it when you see it. Yeah. So I think that brings us to our segments. I believe that does take us to our segments. Much like the Charmed Ones, we have our own power of three. The first power in our pack is Premonition, where we look into the past, present, and future and see who is, was, or will become famous. We got a big one for this episode. Yeah, well, so the Collector, you might also recognize from his uh, his guest starring role on Bones as Temperance Brennan's old high school janitor that like was her only friend when she was in high school. Yeah, I think that is really the main thing people would know. It's 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 Robert England. He was Freddy Krueger. That's the thing we were working around there. Which, given that he was Freddy Krueger, how creepy is it that he was the janitor who was friends with Temperance Brennan? Oh, okay. So, uh, in in Bones, they are specifically leaning on his Freddy Krueger legacy. Like he is he is Freddy Krueger, except without the child molesting. Yes, and uh, I mean, I feel like. And presumably murdering and dream sorcering. Presumably. Presumably. I feel like, I was going to say, I feel like that this show was also leading on his, like, creepy cachet. But you know what? Uh, no, I think, well, I think that, I think the script, like you said, when we, when we mentioned it, I think the script stood on its own, even without, even without the power of Robert England, which, I mean, he provides... He provides a very good scare factor. Well, he does such a good job. And the thing is, they don't play him as a Freddy Krueger-esque figure. He's not cracking jokes. He's not doing any of the Freddy things, which I appreciate. Because later in the show, that's not how they handle guest stars at all. It's all references to whatever the thing, whatever mm-hmm. thing the actor's from. Like, in this, they just let him be a different, but still incredibly creepy character. Yeah. So, Premonition? Premonition, Robert England, Freddy Krueger. You you know who this man is. And also, we need to let Nightmare on Elm Street go because he's kind of the only person who can be Freddy Krueger. Like you can do you can do Jason movies forever. Like you can change out Jason actors as much as you want. Fre- uh, Freddy Krueger is Robert England. You can't play that with a different actor. It's like when a really good sports star retires and then you retire their number. It's like, "Oh, no one can be I don't know sports. No one can be number 69 anymore. No one can be Brett Bird. Who? Sorry, I, I don't know sports either. <laughs> Something Bird, wasn't there? Larry, Larry Bird. Bird. Larry Bird. I think I, I <laughs> conflated him with Brett Favre. I don't know oh sports. Oh They're God. too varied. They're not even, they don't even play the same game. Larry Bird's basketball and Brett Favre is a football. football. They're not even from the same decades. Anyway, the point is the way you retired jersey numbers in sports, certain roles should be retired, and uh, Freddy Freddy Krueger should be retired. It should be just belong to Robert England. Yeah, like they tried, they tried doing a reboot with a different actor, and it just did not work. Yeah. What's our next power? Uh, our next power is time freeze. What specifically dates this episode? I really didn't have anything for it. This feels like a relatively timeless episode. Yeah, it does. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't have a time freeze this episode either. It's, it's, the horror. It, it's a horror that uh, 
It is a timeless horror. Yeah, I, I was going to say a collector reference, but as we mentioned earlier in the show, the show You, which I know is based off of a series of books, but let's be real. The show You is basically just the collector. Uh, we've only seen season one, but season one tells a really good, complete story, so I feel like maybe you don't need to watch the next two seasons. I actually watched the first half of season two, and I was like, eh, it's not season one. Yeah. It's a different story. I'm not into it. Uh, yeah, no, it... Kidnapping women and covering them with clay after miniaturizing them and then baking them into figurines knows no decade. Which will bring us to our final segment, telekinesis. What, if anything, genuinely moved you this episode? Well, Piper's torment about losing Prue by losing P3. Like, by by changing P3 and then losing her connection to Prue. Like, we, we kind of skipped over it in those scenes because the stuff that's happening is so ridiculous from a script standpoint but the emotion of giving up this connection to her sister who has died is is strong and is there okay i can definitely see that i i do agree that that is but mine is a little different mine is uh the conversation that Paige and piper have in the car about how involved Paige should be in the rescue attempt because i do really like how much they're trying to figure out their new dynamics mm, yeah Paige as both a witch and as part of a larger family and piper readjusting her role within that established family unit i do really like that and i do like the given for the give and take between you know i want to do this so i can learn how to protect myself and i don't want you to do this until you know how to protect yourself yeah yeah but this is a genuinely well-written episode. Like, there's a lot of really good stuff here. The weakest thing is the Phoebe plot, and that's barely in it, so. Yeah. I, yeah, we spend a lot of time ragging on things, but it is, it's a good episode. The emotions, are, the emotions are there, and the horror is there. I think this is a through line in our podcasts, whether they be about Once Upon a Time, Charmed, or Farscape, that... If a show really, really wants to bring it on any given week, they just need to nail the horror. It's true. Yeah. So, uh, do we have any surprise powers? Perhaps a brand new surprise power we've never had before? We do indeed. Much like the Charmed Ones, our powers grow in time. And our most recent expansion is Explosion. What blew apart continuity this episode? What? Time Explosion. <laughs> yeah, uh... Phoebe's whole interview, right? Like, what is... How old is Phoebe? How how, how old is Phoebe? Yes, exactly. How old is Phoebe? What happened there? So, yeah, that... And I know this this is a little thing, but it will it will get worse as time goes on. I, which I get. There wasn't really as much of a thing about needing continuity to flow in this time period in fact to be fair you don't want continuity because you want people to be able to drop into any episode and kind of pick up what's going on so, so in this fairness is not, to charm yeah this is not a judgmental show we're, we're just pointing it out that this is weird weird continuity yeah, i would like to know how old phoebe is yes that is the kind of continuity i would enjoy but okay whatever it's a it's especially going to be important in the later seasons where she's like, I have to have a baby right now because I'm, like, 29. And if I don't have a baby by the time I'm 30, I'll be summarily executed or something. Okay, we'll get into that when we get into that. But, yeah, yeah. So I think that's it for this week. Yeah, I believe that'll about do it. 
Our show is partially listener-supported. If you want to be one of those supporters, you should head over to our website, www.welcometotelevision.net, and click on our Patreon link. We'd like to thank our current $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Rosa, Ryan, Maracruz, Benjamin, Kate, Jen, and Dan. If you'd like to support the show in other ways, you could always rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find the show. We can also be contacted at ilovetelevisionzines at gmail or at ilovetvzines on Twitter. So until next time, I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And this has been Welcome to the Hallwell Manor. Mm-hmm.